Chapters One to Seven, Book Four, Volume One of Le Mort d'Artour. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Lars Rolander. Le Mort d'Artour, Volume One by Sir Thomas Mallory. Book Four, Chapters One to Seven. Chapter One How Merlin was assotted and doted on one of the ladies of the lake, and how he was shut in a rock under a stone and there died. So, after these quests of Sir Gawain, Sir Tor, and King Pellinore, it fell so that Merlin fell in a dotage on the damsel that King Pellinore brought to court and she was one of the damsels of the lake, that height Nimue. But Merlin would let her have no rest, but always he would be with her. And ever she made Merlin good cheer, till she had learned of him all manner thing that she desired. And he was assotted upon her, that he might not be from her. So on a time he told King Arthur that he should not dure long, but for all his crafts he should be put in the earth quick. And so he told the king many things that should befall. But always he warned the king to keep well his sword and the scabbard, for he told him how the sword and the scabbard should be stolen by a woman from him that he most trusted. Also he told King Arthur that he should miss him. Yet had ye liefer than all your lands to have me again. Ah, said the king, since ye you know of your adventure, purvey for it, and put away by your crafts that misadventure. Nay, said Merlin, it will not be. So he departed from the king. And within a while the damsel of the lake departed, and Merlin went with her evermore, wheresomever she went. And oft-times Merlin would have had her privily away by his subtle crafts, then she made him to swear that he should never do none enchantment upon her if he would have his will. And so he sware, so she and Merlin went over the sea unto the land of Benwick, whereas King Ban was king, that had great war against King Claudas. And there Merlin spake with King Ban's wife, a fair lady and a good, and her name was Elaine, and there he saw young Launcelot. And there the queen made great sorrow for the mortal war that King Claudas made on her lord and on her lands. Take none heaviness, said Merlin, for this same child within this twenty year shall revenge you on King Claudas, that all Christendom shall speak of it. And this same child shall be the most man of worship of the world, and his first name is Galahad, that know I well, said Merlin. And since ye have confirmed him Launcelot, that is truth, said the queen, his first name was Galahad. O Merlin, said the queen, shall I live to see my son such a man of prowess? Yea, lady, on my peril ye shall see it, and live many winters after. And so, soon after, the lady and Merlin departed, and by the way Merlin showed her many wonders, and came into Cornwall. And always Merlin lay about the lady to have her maidenhood, and she was ever passing weary of him, 
and fain would have been delivered of him, for she was afeard of him because he was a devil's son, and she could not beshift him by no mean. And so on a time it happened that Merlin showed to her in a rock whereas was a great wonder, and wrought by enchantment, that went under a great stone. So by her subtle working she made Merlin to go under that stone, to let her wit of the marvels there. But she wrought so there for him, that he came never out for all the craft he could do. And so she departed, and left Merlin. CHAPTER Two. How five kings came into this land to war against King Arthur, and what counsel Arthur had against them. And as King Arthur rode to Camelot, and held there a great feast with mirth and joy, so soon after he returned unto Cadwal, and there came unto Arthur new tidings, that the king of Denmark, and the king of Ireland, that was his brother, and the king of the Vale, and the king of Solace, and the king of the Isle of Longtains, all these five kings with great host were entered into the land of king arthur and burnt and slew clean afore them both cities and castles that it was pity to hear alas said arthur yet had i never rest one month since i was crowned king of this island now shall i never rest till i meet with those kings in a fair field that i make mine avow for my true liege people shall not be destroyed in my default go with me who will and abide who that will then the king let writ unto king pellinore and prayed him in all haste to make him ready with such people as he might lightly strear and hie him after in all haste all the barons were privily wroth that the king would depart so suddenly but the king by no mean would abide but made writing unto them that were not there, and bade them high after him, such as were not at that time in the court. Then the king came to Queen Ganewer, and said, Lady, make you ready, for ye shall go with me, for I may not long miss you. Ye shall cause me to be the more hardy, what adventure so befall me. I will not wit, my lady, to be in no jeopardy. Sir, said she, I am at your commandment, and shall be ready what time so ye be ready. So on the morn the king and the queen departed with such fellowship as they had, and came into the north into a forest beside Humber, and there lodged them. When the word and tiding came unto the five kings above said that Arthur was beside Humber in a forest, there was a knight, brother unto one of the kings, that gave them this counsel. Ye know well that Sir Arthur has the flower chivalry of the world with him, as it is proved by the great battle he did with the elven kings, and therefore high unto him night and day, till that we be nigh him, for the longer he tarrieth, the bigger he is, and we ever the weaker. And he is so courageous of himself that he is come to the field with little people, and therefore let us set upon him or day and we shall slay down. Of his knights there shall none escape. Chapter 3 How King Arthur had ado with them, and overthrew them, and slew the five kings, and made the remnant to flee. Unto this counsel these five kings assented, 
and so they passed forth with their host through north wales and came upon arthur by night and set upon his host as the kings and his knights were in their pavilions king arthur was unarmed and had laid him to rest with his queen guinevere sir said sir kay it is not good we be unarmed we shall have no need said sir gawaine and sir griflet that lay in a little pavilion by the king with that they heard great noise and many cried treason treason alas said king arthur we be betrayed unto arms fellows then he cried so they were armed anon at all points then came there a wounded knight unto the king and said sir save yourself and my lady the queen for our host is destroyed and much people of ours slain so anon the king and the queen and the three knights took their horses and rode toward humber to pass over it and the water was so rough that they were afraid to pass over now may ye choose said king arthur whether ye will abide and take the adventure on this side for an ye be taken they will slay you it were me liefer said the queen to die in the water than to fall in your enemies hands and there be slain and as they stood so talking sir kay saw the five kings coming on horseback by themselves alone with their spears in their hands even toward them lo said sir kay yonder be the five kings let us go to them and match them that were folly said sir gawaine for we are but three and they be five that is truth said sir griflet no force said sir kay i will undertake for two of them and then may ye three undertake for the other three and therewithal sir kay let his horse run as fast as he might and struck one of them through the shield and the body as fathom that the king fell to the earth stark dead that saw sir gawaine and ran unto another king so hard that he smote him through the body and therewithal king arthur ran to another and smote him through the body with a spear that he fell to the earth dead then sir griflet ran unto the fourth king and gave him such a fall that his neck brake anon sir kay ran unto the fifth king and smote him so hard on the helm that the stroke clave the helm and the head to the earth that was well stricken said king arthur and worshipfully hast thou holden thy promise therefore i shall honour thee while that i live and therewithal they set the queen in a barge into humber but always queen guinevere praised sir kay for his deeds and said what lady that ye love and she love you not again she were greatly to blame and among ladies said the queen i shall bear you noble fame for ye spake a great word and fulfilled it worshipfully and therewith the queen departed then the king and the three knights rode into the forest for there they supposed to hear of them that were escaped and there he found the most part of his people and told them all how the five kings were dead and therefore let us hold us together till it be day and when their host have espied that their chieftains be slain they will make such dole that they shall no more help themselves and right so as the king said so it was for when they found the five kings dead, 
they made such dole that they fell from their horses. Therewithal came King Arthur, but with a few people, and slew on the left hand and on the right hand, that well nigh there escaped no man, but all were slain to the number thirty thousand. And when the battle was all ended, the king kneeled down and thanked God meekly. And then he sent for the queen, and soon she was come, and she made great joy of the overcoming of that battle. Chapter 4 How the battle was finished, or he came, and how King Arthur found in an abbey where the battle was. Therewithal came one to King Arthur, and told him that King Pellinore was within three mile with a great host, and he said, Go unto him, and let him understand how we have sped. So within a while King Pellinore came with a great host, and saluted the people and the king, and there was great joy made on every side. Then the king let search how many people of his party there was slain. And there were found but little past two hundred men slain, and eight knights of the table round in their pavilions. Then the king let rear and devise in the same place whereat the battle was done a fair abbey, and endowed it with great livelihood, and let it call the Abbey of La Bile Adventure. But when some of them came into their countries, whereof the five kings were kings, and told them how they were slain, there was made great dole. And all King Arthur's enemies, as the kings of North Wales and the kings of the North, when they wist of the battle, they were passing heavy, and so the king returned unto Camelot in haste. And when he was come to Camelot, he called King Pellinore unto him, and said, Ye understand well that we have lost eight knights of the best of the table round, and by your advice we will choose eight again of the best we may find in this court. Sir, said Pellinore, I shall counsel you after my conceit the best. There are in your court full noble knights, both of old and young, and therefore by mine advice ye shall choose half of the old and half of the young. Which be the old? said King Arthur. Sir, said King Pellinore, me seemeth that King Uriens, that has wedded your sister Morgan le Fay, and the King of the Lake, and Sir Hervis de Revel, a noble knight, and Sir Galagars the fourth. This is well devised, said King Arthur, and right so shall it be. Now which are the four young knights? said Arthur. Sir, said Pellinore, the first is Sir Gawaine, your nephew, that is as good a knight of his time as any in this land. And the second, as me seemeth best, is Sir Griflet, le fils de Dieu, that is a good knight, and full desires in arms. And who may see him live, he shall prove a good knight. And the third, as me seemeth, is well to be one of the knights of the round table, Sir Kay, the seneschal, for many times he hath done full worshipfully, and now, at your last battle, he did full honourably for to undertake to slay two kings. By my head, said Arthur, he is best worth to be a knight of the round table of any that ye have rehearsed, and he had done no more prowess in his life days. Chapter 5 How Sir Tor was made knight of the round table and how Bagdemagus was displeased. 
Now, said King Pellinore, I shall put to you two knights, and ye shall choose which is most worthy. That is Sir Bagdemagus and Sir Tor, my son. But because Sir Tor is my son, I may not praise him. But else, and he were not my son, I durst say that of his age there is not in this land a better knight than he is, nor of better conditions, and loath to do any wrong, and loath to take any wrong. By my head, said Arthur, he is a passing good knight, as any ye spake of this day. That what I well, said the king, for I have seen him proved, but he saith little, and he doth much more, for I know none in all this court, and he were as well born on his mother's side, as he is on your side. That is like him of prowess and of might, and therefore I will have him at it this time, and leave Sir Bagdemagus till another time. So when they were chosen by the assent of all the barons, so were there found in their sieges every knight's name that here are rehearsed, and so were they set in their sieges, whereof Sir Bagdemagus was wonderfully wroth, that Sir Tor was advanced afore him. And therefore suddenly he departed from the court, and took his squire with him, and rode long in a forest till they came to a cross, and there alighted and said his prayers devoutly. The meanwhile his squire found written upon the cross that Bagdemagus should never return unto the court again till he had won a knight's body of the round table, body for body. So, sir, said the squire, here I find writing of you, therefore I read you return again to the court. That shall I never, said Bagdemagus, till men speak of me great worship and that I be worthy to be a knight of the round table. And so he rode forth, and there by the way he found a branch of an holy herb that was the sign of the Sangreal, and no knight found such tokens, but he were a good liver. So as Sir Bagdemagus rode to see many adventures, it happened him to come to the rock whereas the Lady of the Lake had put Merlin under the stone, and there he heard him make great dole, whereof Sir Bagdemagus would have holpen him, and went unto the great stone, and it was so heavy that an hundred men might not lift it up. When Merlin wist he was there, he bade leave his labour, for all was in vain, for he might never be holpen, but by her that put him there. And so Bagdemagus departed, and did many adventures, and proved after a full good night, and came again to the court, and was made knight of the round table. So on the morn there fell new tidings, and other adventures. CHAPTER six. How King Arthur, King Uriens, and Sir Acolon of Gaul, chased an heart, and of their marvellous adventures. Then it befell that Arthur and many of his knights rode a-hunting into a great forest, and it happened King Arthur, King Uriens, and Sir Acolon of Gaul followed a great heart, for they three were well horsed, and so they chased so fast that within a while they three were ten mile from their fellowship. And at the last they chased so sore that they slew their horses underneath them. Then were they all three on foot, and ever they saw the heart afore them passing weary and enbushed. 
What will we do? said King Arthur. We are hard bestead. Let us go on foot, said King Uriens, till we may meet with some lodging. Then were they ware of the heart that lay on a great water-bank, and a bratchet biting on his throat, and more other hounds came after. Then King Arthur blew the prize, and dight the heart. Then the king looked about the world, and saw afore him in a great water a little ship, all apparel with silk down to the water, and the ship came right unto them, and landed on the sands. Then Arthur went to the bank, and looked in, and saw none earthly creature therein. Sirs, said the king, come thence, and let us see what is in this ship. So they went in all three, and found it richly behanged with cloth of silk. By then it was dark night, and there suddenly were about them an hundred torches set upon all sides of the shipboards, and it gave great light, and therewithal there came out twelve fair damosels, and saluted King Arthur on their knees, and called him by his name, and said he was right welcome, and such cheer as they had he should have of the best. The king thanked them fair. Therewithal they led the king and his two fellows into a fair chamber, and there was a cloth laid richly beseen of all that longed unto a table, and there were they served of all wines and meats that they could think. Of that the king had great marvel, for he fared never better in his life as for one supper. And so, when they had supped at their leisure, King Arthur was led into a chamber, a richer beseen chamber so he never none, and so was King Urien served, and led into such another chamber, and Sir Acolon was led into the third chamber, passing richly and well beseen. And so they were laid in their beds easily, and anon they fell asleep, and slept marvellously sore all the night. And on the morrow, King Urien's was in Camelot, a bed in his wife's arms, Morgan le Fay. And when he awoke, he had great marvel how he came there, for on the even of four he was two days' journey from Camelot. And when King Arthur awoke, he found himself in a dark prison, hearing about him many complaints of woeful knights. Chapter 7 how Arthur took upon him to fight to be delivered out of prison, and also for to deliver twenty knights that were in prison. "'What are ye that so complain?' said King Arthur. "'We be here twenty knights, prisoners,' said they, "'and some of us have lain here seven year, and some more, and some less.' "'For what cause?' said Arthur. "'We shall tell you,' said the knights. This lord of the castle, his name is Sir Damas, and he is the falsest knight that liveth, and full of treason, and a very coward as any liveth, and he hath a younger brother, a good knight of prowess. His name is Sir Onslake, and this traitor Damas, the elder brother, will give him no part of his livelihood, but as Sir Onslake keepeth thorough prowess of his hands, and so he keepeth from him a full fair manor and a rich, and therein Sir Onthlake dwelleth worshipfully, and he is well beloved of all people. And this Sir Damas, our master, is as evil beloved, for he is without mercy, and he is a coward, and great war hath been betwixt them both. But Onthlake hath ever the better, 
and ever he proffereth Sir Damas to fight for the livelihood, body for body, but he will not do, other else to find a knight to fight for him. Unto that Sir Damas has granted to find a knight, but he is so evil beloved and hated that there is never a knight will fight for him. And when Damas saw this, that there was never a knight would fight for him, he hath daily lain await with many knights with him, and taken all the knights in this country to see and espy their adventures. He hath taken them by force and brought them to his prison, and so he took us separately as we rode on our adventures, and many good knights have died in this prison for hunger to the number of eighty knights. And if any of us all that here is, or hath been, would have foughten with his brother Onslake, he would have delivered us. But for because this Damas is so false and so full of treason, we would never fight for him to die for it. And we be so lean for hunger, that unneath we may stand on our feet. God deliver you for his mercy, said Arthur. Anon therewithal there came a damosel unto Arthur, and asked him, What cheer? I cannot say, said he. Sir, said she, and ye will fight for my lord. Ye shall be delivered out of prison, and else ye escape never the life. Now, said Arthur, that is hard, yet had I liefer to fight with a knight than to die in prison. With this, said Arthur, I may be delivered, and all these prisoners, I will do the battle. Yes, said the damosel. I am ready, said Arthur, and I had horse and armor. Ye shall lack none, said the damosel. Me seemeth, damosel, I should have seen you in the court of Arthur. Nay, said the damosel, I came never there. I am the lord's daughter of this castle. Yet was she false, for she was one of the damosels of Morgan le Fay. Anon she went unto Sir Damas, and told him how he would do battle for him, and so he sent for Arthur. And when he came he was well coloured, and well made of his limbs, that all knights that saw him said it were pity that such a knight should die in prison. So Sir Damas and he were agreed that he should fight for him upon his covenant, that all other knights should be delivered. And unto that was Sir Damas sworn unto Arthur, and also to do the battle to the uttermost. And with that all the twenty knights were brought out of the dark prison into the hall, and delivered, and so they all abode to see the battle. End of Book 4, Chapters 1 to 7, of Volume 1 of Le Mort d'Arthur, by Sir Thomas Mallory. Read by Lars Rolander.